Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. And it's another edition of the MMA Outsiders. I'm Tom Alvano, along with Zan Bando. And Zan, this is going to be another edition where we're going to be doing a lot of ranting, a lot of raving, a lot of questioning, a lot of looking for ants. And I know that sounds really negative, but a lot of the headlines that we have this week are kind of of the, uh, of the negative fashion, I guess we can say. Yeah, definitely the negative fashion for sure. And I guess that also equates to just the evolution of the nutty sport that is mixed martial arts. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of everything, though, we'd like to remind you guys to please like and subscribe. Please uh, share the show across all forms of social media. Again, you're listening to the MMA Outsiders. This is episode 54. Be sure to like it across social media, share it. Our Twitter handle is at MMA Outsiders ETB. Um, I'm Zan Bando. I'm a staff writer for BJPen.com, which is where you can find all of my combat sports work. And then, of course, to my love, is Tom Albano. You can find his work over at Fanside and MMA, as well as the PFL website as we are riding at the home stretch of the 2023 PFL playoffs. And, of course, the PFL is going to be a major subject in today's discussions, at least for about the first 20 minutes to a half an hour or so. So I guess... That's a good segue into continuing my initial point was, yeah, there's definitely a lot of negativity around the news bits this week, but it's almost like every single time in the history of the show where when you and I talk off the air, which is pretty frequently almost every day to this point, there comes these weeks where we're like, oh, what do we have to talk about? And always right before the show begins, there's a major news nugget that drops and I guess we can get right into it. It's now looking much clearer, at least, that the PFL and and Bellator will be looking to go in some very different direction. And so obviously this merger is looking very likely uh, per Al Zelino and uh, Todd Atkins, who we hate to mention as well, has had some very big scoops in regards to this whole story. So it looks like uh, it was at the end of Bellator is drawing close. Closer, Bellator just announced an event in Chicago in November that will be contested as Bellator 301. Um, Tom, I know you. I, I know you have something to say, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let you have the floor. Okay, so I need to make things really clear for I mean for everybody, those of you who are watching us on our YouTube home, and those of you who are listening to us our audio only platforms. The Bellator PFL story has just gone in completely different directions. And this comes after a significant period of radio silence about this uh, potential merger and what was going to happen and what the plans are. So the original story that we were going to talk about came on the Todd Atkins side, in which it seemed like the merger between Bellator and PFL, the potential sale of Bellator to the Professional Fighters League, Talks had ended, things had gone bad, negotiations, and according to Atkins, it was going to be very likely that Bellator will fold after the Bellator 301 card taking place in Chicago in November. Al Zelino, however, uh, as you mentioned, has countered that 
with a report that, you know, the sale is still on, the talks are still going on. And now earlier before we started recording, adding in, uh, citing an unnamed source that the Bellator sale to the professional fighters league is now quote imminent. And as a little nugget, as a way to explain, you know, what's going on, it appears according to Zelino, this may not be the end end for Bellator that the idea of them running two different leagues, the Bellator and PFL act, acting simultaneously akin to UFC and strike force 2011, at least through 2011 to 2013, uh, that that possibility is still there. And at this point, San, I'm just throwing my, throwing my hands up and saying at this point, you know, I, I should also make it clear. I try to every time this subject comes up, Zan as a Bellator rankings committee member, me doing some freelance work for the professional fighters league. Neither of us have any inside information as to what is going on, you know, for the work that we do for uh, our respective organizations, we, we don't have any inside knowledge. We don't have any scoop. We are looking for answers in the same way that all of you are looking for answers. And at this point, that's all I'm doing, Dan, is uh, I'm looking for answers. I want some sort of explanation as to what's going on because uh, Don Davis teased a big announcement for August and we had assumed that at some point it was going to be the official, it was going to be the official merger between the Bellator and PFL or a sale of uh, Bellator to the PFL. And it's now September, middle of September, September 19th is when this show airs. And we have no sort of information until, until these conflicting reports. Yeah, very well said. And just from a journalistic perspective, I'd like to add to this too, that, I'd rather come on here with you and talk about the analytics and what that this means. When it comes to us having the inside scoop, given how big the story is, I would rather not be that guy, and I'm sure you wouldn't be either, because to me, it is the responsibility of the promotions um, to make this official, and therefore, given that this is a huge potential business transaction, it's only fitting that it's the promotion's job and only the promotion's job to to affirm that, that this is going to move forward as we it's going to. So just to piggyback off of what you were saying, I'd rather be the analytical guy and explain to all of you what this means instead of trying to tell you information that you can find out um, elsewhere from the people that are actually inside the companies. I just want to I just I just want to make that very clear. You're right. You're right. But now. But now there's a couple of different angles that we can look with it because I remember earlier in the summer we had talked about, okay, if Bellator is being acquired by the profession, by the professional fighters league and it's going to be absorbed that a lot of fighters were going to be, you know, out of jobs. And now, Sam, it looks like per the reports of Atkins and Zelino because Zelino, you know, he has worked with you over at BJPen.com. He is a very respectable and very credible uh, journalist. So I want to give him his props and I want to respect uh, his reporting. But I can't completely discredit the reporting of Todd Atkins because if you remember, Zan, this Bellator PFL story originally started with him and people discredited him until... Somebody including, like Helwani. Including, including us. 
Correct, including us. And then when Helwani made mention of how it is real, like, we have to give Atkins his flowers, too. I'm just saying, Zan, at this point, it's funny now that we're on two complete extremes with their reports. Because if Zelina was right, Bellator is still running. It's just going to be owned by the PFL, which is actually going to bring up the question that I had a few weeks ago about how would they be able to run the two leagues like when a fighter gets signed are they going to pfl are they going to bellator how is that going to work out and then on the todd atkins end i think it's something even worse than an absorbing worse than a merger because at least with an absorbing and a merger zan you could still if you're pfl theoretically have you know bellator versus pfl title fights at the soonest possibility if bellator just completely folds all those fighters are out of the job for at least for some point, all the people who work backstage at Bellator are out of the job, at least for some point. So this is this is two levels of extreme at this point. Oh, 1000%. And um, I mean, I guess I, I will I will say this as, as, as neutrally as I can put it. I think for the betterment of the sport and considering how how strictly number one the UFC currently is and has been for so many years. The worst thing that can happen in this scenario is what Todd Atkins is proposing. Because if you take Bellator completely out of the picture, that only leaves three major promotions left in the in the entire um, spectrum of MMA instead of just four. And I think considering with how long Bellator has been around, with how stable Scott Coker has been able to keep it for the last eight or so years and to be able to build these homegrown stars like in A.J. McKee, for example, the, the the worst possible scenario in this whole thing is Bellator going away, considering that the, the lack of MMA competition is something that people in the MMA media space and just fans in general have complained about for years. So quite frankly, although I shouldn't really have a rooting interest in this, I like to hope and hear that Al Zelino's report is 100% correct because the last thing you would want is all of these you know, scheduled tournaments and major fights that Bellator has been trying to pencil in for months and years to just not come to fruition. So that's where I stand on that. I will say, though, from a business venture, if PFL absorbs Bellator and and PFL owns it, it's a win-win for for ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. We've been griping on them for, for weeks and weeks now over price increases. You want to talk about now owning the two biggest MMA promotions in the world to have both of those promotions on one platform would be absolutely astronomical for all parties involved. Yeah, because my thought process, and I think you're going on, is that if if it's the Zelina report and the PFL is sold and Bellator is sold to the PFL and Bellator is still running like its own organization, that would mean that would have to mean a move from the Viacom networks to Showtime and CBS to ESPN Plus essentially, which would mean, imagine this scenario, Zana, which you're kind of going to, UFC, Bellator, and PFL all under the same umbrella. That would be, that would be insanity. That would be unimaginable just a, just a few years ago. Unimaginable, number one. And number two, I think you'll get into a situation where all three promoters, I guess newly minted UFC CEO Dana White, we're no longer calling him the president anymore. It was weird to even that I, 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 have a, I have a theory as to why about that in a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll 
into that here in a second, but you might have a situation where, where Davis, Dana White, and Scott Coker are all butting heads for the best talent in the world and are all going to be fighting under one major network, which could turn into a little bit of, you know, what boxing used to be back in the day, where it used to be a battle of the promoters. And if the promoter didn't have the fighter sign that they wanted, they were basically screwed. So um, MMA could really change in one of the craziest ways ever. And you could see a lot of crossover that maybe you weren't expecting just five years ago, assuming that they run separately. Now, if the PFL absorbs Bellator, you have a lot of interesting matchups there. Obviously, the tournaments aren't aren't one of them likely going to continue, but I I think it'll really give the UFC a run for its money if they end up absorbing because now you have now you have just as big of a roster as the UFC between 500 and 700 fighters that you're absorbing completely, which means it'll be two kings at the table. Um, one championship off to the side, and and everybody, and then every, then everybody else for oh that which is which is crazy to think that we could maybe have in 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 three to six months time two major MMA promotions and that's it. So it, it is insane. But if they run as two different leagues, I could definitely see Zan at least some crossover. So as you're referring to. You could see very well in a belt or PFL sale. You could see Ryan Bader versus Francis Ngannou. You could see Chris Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison still happening. So there's a lot of there's a lot of tempting fresh matchups there. Which is a fight that people have been waiting to see for over for over a year and a half. So anyone who thought Chris Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison Actually, being dead might be might be mistaken. So it's very it's very interesting. So I have to peep like this off to you. So I'm just curious from a neutral perspective, which which report do you think, in your opinion, is more likely, and which one, as an MMA fan and longtime consumer of the sport, would you rather see happen, and why? Well, I'll tell you what the what the second question is. Then absolutely, Al Zalinos, absolutely. I want to see, I want to see the nuttiest that is Bellator being sold to PFL and all three, you know, leagues are still running. And I could definitely see, you know, just how great that is for the sport where there's multiple options for fighters. I'm just curious, Zan. I should have made this mention uh, prior to that because we mentioned how all three of them could be under the ESPN umbrella. Could that open? Because Obviously, you know, we're not the biggest experts with the uh, fight, you know, legal stuff. Uh, For instance, the antitrust lawsuit against the UFC, we had talked about previously a few weeks ago, but we had encouraged you guys to check out John Nash's reporting on it. I'm wondering, Zan, in that kind of scenario, does that open ESPN up to a potential, you know, antitrust kind of lawsuit and i only say that i hope i don't sound dumb but it's like all the three biggest mma promotions under the same roof under under the espn banner it almost comes off as mono uh, monopolistic yeah that's a very interesting you bring that up i didn't think of it that way and um n- n- it's not really related to, to to monopoly state stuff but just to even think about the madness of a potential ESPN MMA schedule with those with those three promotions under the same roof, I would not want to be schedule makers trying to figure out what weekends the UFCs go, 
what what Friday's Bellator goes and what and what random Wednesday and Friday's PFL would go in the summer it would be just absolute chaos. Not to mention that what you know, if Top Rank uh, has a boxing card at some point. Not oh. to mention any of the other boxing promotions that uh, are seen on ESPN. And San, let's add to the craziness because you mentioned. Dana White is now the CEO of UFC, and that's because of the official merger between the UFC and the WWE, now under the TKO umbrella on uh, Wall Street. Could, could you imagine, Zan, if one of those WWE properties, you know, a Raw, a SmackDown, or the pay-per-views, the premium live events, I should say, that are now on Peacock through the WWE Network there, imagine if ESPN gets into that boat, too. Like there is a potential craziness that could happen within the next few years with the ESPN's combat sports schedule. Yeah, I mean it's mind-boggling to even think of that scenario at this point. Um, as well as I, I actually am just going to go out on a limb and say that I think Dana being the CEO now opens up the door for who his um, for who his successor will be by the time he retires as quote unquote UFC. He president, and I, I actually think all of this madness being intertwined probably means that Hunter Campbell at some point in 2026 or 2027 is going to step in and be, be the new face of the UFC whenever this new era of MMA of issue comes mm-hmm. out. I think we're, we're slowly starting to see the wheels in motion. And if you couldn't tell at, as Tuesday's Dana White Contender Series uh, Dana had some interesting and parting words to say that he's very interested to see what happens with this merger. Even though he doesn't like to talk about his competitors very much, you can tell that, and as Dana likes to say, whenever someone tries to compete with him, he's all in. So I think he's watching this with a very close eye or having I mean, people tell what's going on. I think he's very fascinated by, by all of the rumblings that are happening outside of his precious uh, three letters, if you will. For sure. So, yeah, you know, as a long-time fight fan, I want Salino's report to end up being true. That being the case, the fact that Todd Atkins has been, you know, building a steady name for himself this year, kind of, you know, as a, uh, what's it called, from the neutral journalistic standpoint, I'm still leaning towards Salino, but it's one of those things where it's like it's not firm. It's like I'm standing on Salino's side, but I got the side eye towards Atkins, I'm like, what does he know? You know, what kind of sources and scoop does he have? You know, that somebody like a Zelino doesn't. And I guess it leads to the final point that I wanted to make. Isn't it kind of bizarre to you that now Bellator has announced this blockbuster Bellator 301 card, which happens to be the third Chicago card in less than a year, which I'm going to be lucky in to go to but isn't it weird to you that if if it's truly the end of Bellator they didn't end on a nice even keel like a Bellator 300 that it would have to potentially just end with Bellator 301 like that's kind of that's kind of lame a little bit I I understand your point I would be a little happier that they're doing it uh I can't even say that because 300 is in California where they're based I'm just worried Zan that is the fact they announced Bellator 301, was that kind of, you know, something that they did because of something that's going on in the negotiations? Oh, I, I could, uh, if you were to put a gun to my head and he's in, what is the probability that, 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 that 
that that, that could really be the case, I would probably give it an 80 20 uh, answer. That meaning meaning 80% yes, it's very likely that they announced Bellator 301 because of something unnamed going on in the negotiations that's pressuring them to, to, to do something to blow it out. Yeah, so my last thought is I'm really hoping Zelino's report is true. I'm hoping that Bellator goes on, that the PFL is going to run it, and just what madness could unfold with everything under the ESPN umbrella, despite what we mentioned the last few weeks about the ESPN Plus point prices. Um, that being said, like you know, no disrespect to Todd Atkins because this is not a shot on him and his reporting because if he's right, you know, great for him. I just don't think it's good for the sport to just see a promotion like Bellator outright fold. Moving on from that, let's let's talk an emergency scenario, Zan. If there is a chance that Bellator does go belly up and Bellator does fold, who should the UFC target? Because I have one name in mind. Well, I think there's a universal name or two that are in mind, um, but I do have one particular name in mind. And I think, Zan, the universal name or names that are going to pop up with Bel- which Bellator fighters should be signed, the Pitbull Brothers. Yeah, those for sure. Uh, for me, I would say Usman or Magomedov's one. Uh, Brett Primus, I would consider him. Sabatello, Stotts, uh, AJ McKee, uh, Johnny yeah. Johnny Eblin, even I mean, that was that was going to be the that was going to be the name I had is Johnny Eblin because I feel like he is such a you know talent that's not really talked about that needs more eyes on him that in the case of a Bellator folding the UFC or PFL should look at uh, Johnny Eblin or funny enough his opponent this coming weekend Fabian Edwards I mean how could the UFC pass up on the opportunity to sign Leon Edwards' brother. Yeah, for sure. And back on the Eplin side, I mean, you want to talk about an upgrade to a middleweight division that seems to be in a logjam um, with, with the top four. That's as big of an upgrade as you can get. Probably the biggest um, Bellator uh, to the UFC signing since Michael Chandler a couple years ago. Uh, th- that would be that would be one of them or, or, or the one if they decided to go that route. Of course, um, you cannot you cannot forget the potential to re-sign Ryan Bader. Obviously, Ryan Bader was a fixture on the Ultimate Fighter several years ago. It's still proven to be a pretty big draw. Would be a nice brush upgrade to the heavyweight division, considering we don't know what the future of John Jones or Steve Miocic will look like after November 11th of this year. So there are a lot of options that the UFC could go with. It might end up becoming a pride situation where if it does both. They're going to sign as much of the roster, as little of the roster as they want, and and try to make these champion versus champion fights. They may not make it where the titles are, are unified, but will make it big enough to where it feels like a champion versus champion fight at least. So, For sure. So my hope is that a bunch of these you know fighters end up getting signed. Obviously, not all of them will. I don't know what the relationship is between the UFC and Ryan Bader. Obviously, Chris Cyborg, fat chance, as Dana has said before, he is out of the Cyborg business. So I think she's going to be the one at the biggest loss. Although, I mean, the PFL now has the women's featherweight division, so 
in that emergency scenario, maybe Cyborg can find a home with the PFL, and then I don't know. Would would Caleb be willing to go down to one forty five at least for a Cyborg fight? That would be very interesting. That's I think the million dollar question going into twenty twenty four is will or will not will will or won't the Kayla Harrison Chris Cyborg fight happen? And if it does happen, which promotion w- would happen? And I think that's another layer to, to the question to consider. One last thing I'd like to add before we move on. Um, if the UFC does sign Raytheon Stotts, it would be a pretty cool revenge story considering that um, Rob Rob did, did knock out Raytheon and looking for a fight. Dana White literally flew out to the court in San Diego to see Raytheon win. He obviously did not win. So um, it, it would it would be very interesting to see if if the UFC decided to go that route and they signed Raytheon Stotts and can he have the UFC career that was essentially stolen from him in about 20 seconds, uh, seven or so years ago. So very interesting. I don't even think it was 20 seconds. I think it was uh, less than that. Oh, you could you, you could be you could be right. Was it was it was it more like 10 seconds? I think it was more like 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of the craziest knockouts anyone's ever seen. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch this Looking for a Fight episode. It's actually a pretty entertaining episode. Just outside of the fight itself, it was a ring of combat show, and it actually was pretty entertaining. I think Dana signed a bunch of uh, – I went that night with Marab being the biggest name. But, um, yeah, uh, just a small little plug for Looking for a Fight. If you haven't seen it, there's a newer-ish episode of, uh, of him and his crew – going to Boston, and it's very entertaining. So if you haven't seen that show, all of the episodes are in a very nice playlist on YouTube, Easy and Accessible, and, and this show is not sponsored by the UFC in any way, but if I see something that the UFC does that I like, I will be very open and very positive about it. Sam, by the way, it was right in the middle. It was 15 seconds. Okay, I was, I was, clo- I was close enough. All right. Yes, yeah, so it, right, it was right in the middle of the two times that we were thinking. That is the, the that is funny. That is very funny. You know what? You know you know what's even weirder to me though. Uh, the, the the UFC is just kind of sitting back and waiting. This could be one into the situations too, where it could become an affliction disaster. But we're not we're not at that we're not at that stage just yet. No, let's 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 try not to think of that scenario. I I kind of wanna I kind of wanna put the story of affliction in the in the back of my mind. Okay, uh, fair. Okay, sorry to, sorry to bring back bad memories in 2008. I'm sorry. I had to I, I I had to do it a little bit just to get just to get a small just to get a small reaction out of you. So I actually got a small kick out of that, which is even funnier for me. So there there you go. Yeah, and you know, I think of I think of the words of the montage king about affliction, where it was you know, they made douchebag related MMA clothing. They tried to start their own promotion. They lasted about three, you know, shows. The third one ended up getting canceled when they were trying to get, uh, I think it was uh, Fedor on that card. Fight ends up falling through. Whole card falls through. Promotion falls through. They go back to producing douchebag-related MMA clothing. Yeah, and I'll be honest. Uh, I had some of that douchebag-related MMA clothing <laughs> as, 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 as an 11-year-old. So there you, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Dan, don't worry. I still have a bunch of tap out shirts in my uh, <laughs> over there. <laughs> oh, me too. In your face.com or protecting neck.com. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, the 2000s with the UFC was something else. It really, it really was. It really and you know what's funny? You know what's funny? Then Tap Out became its own uh, true clothing brand. Ended up having that partnership with WWE, and I still have some Tap Out shirts from the modern era Tap Out. That's right. Yeah, good point. That's right. All right, let's talk about the let's go off of the UFC of 2009 and let's go to the UFC of well the rest of 2023 and into 2024. So Zan, you want to you know, you want to put your matchmaker or well, I shouldn't say matchmaker, your schedule maker cap on. So, here's your opportunity. Yeah, so uh, just for fun, I was bored a couple of days ago. So I just figured let me reach out to Tom and see what he thinks of my very interesting Schedule outlook. So, Tom, you've had some time to look at it. I've, I've put a lot of thought into what UFC 296 through UFC 309 uh, will look like. And I'm just curious, what were your initial impressions? And can you tell um, the viewers, because you have it up, what I was what I was thinking? Yes. So, all right. You're, here's your thing. Predicting the first half of every UFC pay-per-view event from the end of 2023 into 2024. So we're starting from after 295 because 295 is booked as Jones Miochik. You have for UFC 296, them going with O'Malley and Cheetah Vera and Edwards and Covington. You have no Connor versus Chandler happening in 2023. Although you do have it for 2024. I do. That is correct. So your schedule for 2024 looks like this. 297 in Brazil, January 19th for 26, Alex Pereira, Yuri Prohaska for the vacant light heavyweight title. You buy um, that? Buy or sell that? What do you what do you what do you think? I buy it. I don't know if I buy the Brazil location. I do buy Pereira versus Yuri. It's like I said, Zan. Those three fights you have listed, O'Malley, Vera, Edwards, Covington, Pereira, Yuri. If there's no Connor Chandler in December at uh, 296, two of those title fights have to go on the 296 card, and whatever's remaining has to go to the 297 card. And that's just that's how it has to be at this point. That's, that's got to be the UFC's ulterior plans, I mean, uh, alternate plans, if that Connor Chandler thing doesn't go through, which, by the way, September 19th, still no word, less than three months out. Still no word, and we thought we were going to get it during Noche UFC with a couple months to go, literally on the day of a couple months out, we didn't get it. So, and, and it's been a month since 290, uh, it's been a month since 292 in Boston that we thought we were going to get something there. Didn't get it either. Yeah, so getting a little ticked at that point. Um, UFC 298, you have on Super Bowl weekend in Sydney. Alexander Volkanovsky, Elliot Zapura, although it looks like I was just seeing, maybe it's just Twitter rumors that, you know, there's a, that the Super Bowl weekend card probably isn't happening. Oh, really? So it wouldn't happen on that weekend at all? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still of the opinion of the Super Bowl weekend card, and maybe that's because, Zan, I love the idea the last couple of years of a UFC you know, a UFC on the Saturday night and then enjoying the Super Bowl the next day and making a whole big weekend out of it. So I'm siding with you still. Um, but based on sources that I've spoken to, the Twitter rumors are leaning in that direction of true that it would not be Super Bowl weekend. So you could bank on it being the week before the Super Bowl or the week 
after the Super Bowl. No, I think no, I think nothing is confirmed, of course, but just so just you know, I wrote that before before I knew what I know now, which is it's either going to probably be the week before or the week after the Super Bowl. Yeah. So here's what I am going to say, though. I think it is a little disappointing that you know, for all the talk about you know, oh, the Super Bowl is going to be in Las Vegas. You know, we're at a stadium. They're going to make a whole big weekend out of it in Las Vegas. Um, that's that's the disappointment in my mind. Me too, but then again, all the craziness with all the NFL events that do have to take place that same week. I don't know how you fit in a UFC media day, a UFC fan experience, and the pay-per-view with the Super Bowl going on literally down the street. I don't see how it's logistically possible, so maybe that's what they're thinking about. Do you still think, though, Ilya versus Volk in the February time frame makes a lot of sense? Uh, I do, only because I... You know, for all that I talked about, about about a Max Ilya contenders fight, if you saw the comments from Dana, he's not for a four fight, and I understand that. So I guess they're going to go with Volk versus Ilya right away. So I could see that, especially if the pay per view for two ninety eight happens in Sydney. This one is interesting. So you have you're going for two ninety nine based on the idea Jones and Stipe will both retire. In November, and that will lead us to a UFC 299 in early March in London. Aspinall, Sergey Pavlovich for the vacant heavyweight title. That is 100% correct. And although I am going against the yearly tradition of the UFC holding the first weekend in March or in Las Vegas, it is because of special circumstances that I don't think that that will be a possibility. And it'll obviously be explained just a minute. well, we know what that is. So that that's whatever the UFC three hundred, whenever that happens, is that's going to be in Vegas. That has to be in Vegas. It has to be. There's no way. There's no way it's in South Africa. There's, there's, <laughs> there's no way it's in the UAE. It's 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 Vegas, and that's where UFC two hundred was, and that's where UFC one hundred was. So there's no reason why UFC three hundred wouldn't be. So that's my that's my theory on that. Okay. Um. I'm cool with Aspinall and Pavlovich. My question is, where does Cyril Gaon fit in all this? Because they oh, did Cyril, tease. Oh, Cyril Gaon, in my hypothetical scenario, Cyril Gaon would be would, would be the backup fighter for UFC 299. That's, right. how they, that's how they would do it. Because they did tease Cyril Gaon, Tom Aspinall, as a fight after Gaon's win in, uh, in Paris in September. Or earlier this month, I should say. The reason why I don't think that's going to happen is because Gon has already had his title shot versus Aspinall or, or Pavlovich. Those two being the, her first. So I, I think the UFC wants to go with as fresh of a matchup as they can. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, UFC 300, T-Mobile Arena, April 6th. And here's where you have McGregor and Chandler. Yeah. I mean, obviously we tried this with UFC 200. Of course, McGregor w- is not in the card. Do you think realistically UFC 300 should be penciled in with the McGregor Chandler fight, or do I have that placed incorrectly in your in your in your opinion? What do you I, think? I think I, I think if you're not going to book it in 2023, then either Super Bowl weekend or UFC 300 is the only way you can go with that fight. No international fight week. International Fight Week as well. But at that point, Zan, is International Fight Week a little too long considering the timeline that we've gotten for this fight? 
I think so when the hype could be died down by then considering what's going on in all the other divisions. Yeah. Right, significantly. Uh, just going to run through the rest here. UFC 301, May 11th, you have O'Malley, Sterling 2. You say O'Malley's going to win against Vera, and then Sterling gets his rematch. That's exactly. uh, yep. yep. Th- 302 uh, in June, you have in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There's your little Chicago bias. You're wearing your shirt. Although uh, I don't know how you're, I don't know if I can say, you know, all good things about your football team at this point. Uh, (laughs) uh, United Center, Hill versus Yeri. That's interesting. So, oh, okay. So you have Yeri being Pereira to get his belt back. And now this would be Jamal Hill's turn to fight for the title he'd never lost in the octagon. That's exactly right. And because Jamal Hill is from Grand Rapids, Michigan, it well, we make sense that Jamal Hill headlines a UFC pay-per-view in Chicago, and he's and he's called for it several times, and he and he trains out of there. So, there's, so, so, so there's no way his wish isn't getting granted in 2024, and if it doesn't, I'll be very, very disappointed. Fair enough. Uh, UFC 303, your international fight week in Vegas. You have Strickland versus DDP. I do. I do. So. It's a man dreaming hero. Okay? This is this is what this is what I want to see happen. Not what I actually think could very well. Again, you're talking to the man who is behind the DDP hype train. Of course, I'm going to be for this. But here's my thing. So, I guess. This, so, what did you make then of Dana's comments that you know he deserves the rematch? I guess. I guess we're sticking with our opinion that we disagree that he got dominated. Yeah, there's that, number one. And number two, I just think is he's going to keep requesting more money and more money in the UFC. He's not going to not going to budge. What, what, did you, what did you think of Cormier's uh, opinion that Izzy needs a rest? Uh, agreed. Agreed. He only, he, he only ever fights in title fights. He's four and three in his last seven. Yeah, he needs a, he needs a break. He, he needs a tough fight, but... He can he can chill on the five rounders for at least for at least a little bit. Yeah. All right. So as a DDP fan, I'm all with you on that. Uh, three oh four. You have at the end of July, so you have him doing two July pay per views again, like this year in Salt Lake City or Arizona. Islam Makhachev defending the lightweight title against Justin Gaethje. The only issue, oh, oh, unless you have Oliveira getting his belt back in next month. Which I which I don't, which is why that which is why you're seeing the fight as it is. Yeah. Okay. Because the only question I have with that is it seems that the Abu Dhabi cards, Islam is the guy who's always main eventing. Putting him in a fight against Gaethje in late July, I think is a little really? questionable. Keep, keep going. I I I if I trust me, I should Egypt, we planned it to where to where Abu Dhabi isn't getting isn't getting it done. So okay, three oh five in August, Miami Edwards versus Chimaev. Yeah, I could buy that if Chimaev wins. I now, in my opinion, a win over Paulo Costa should not grant you a title shot because Paulo Costa is you know I don't understand how he's still a top contender, but that the UFC is going to do everything in its power to get uh, Hamza Chimaev a title shot. For sure. Yep. Uh, okay, let's see the rest. Going back down, going back down. Okay, the second half. 
Ooh. Mexican Independence Day weekend next year is when you have the rematch between Grasso Shevchenko. Yep, but you're a buildup. That's what that's what I that's what I think. It only it only makes logical sense. The UFC is hinted at an event in Mexico next year. That's the only fight realistically that's a title fight that makes sense to do in Mexico. So do it. I guess it actually kind of makes sense, only in that, and we'll talk about it. You have to give the next title shot again to Shevchenko. You got to do the trilogy fight. But Shevchenko also broke her thumb supposedly during that fight. So. Yeah, and I feel like a year off would be enough time to heal the injured thumb. Well, I was also thinking about that as I was building the schedule too. And just given that the UFC wants to try to make this an annual thing, that's the fight you do. And yeah, that, that was my that was my thought process behind that. Unless you really want to do, you know, Brandon Moreno versus Pantoja um, as well in that card or as a potential main event, you can do that too. But I feel like Rosso Shevchenko, with how good the third fight uh, or the second fight was rather, it deserves a pay-per-view billing. And I think that's what they'll do with it. So. All right. Okay. Now I see. Okay. This is interesting what you're doing with the Abu Dhabi, the 307. October 19th. Makes sense. Timeline-wise compared to the previous years, you have Shemaev versus Adesanya, Strickland, or DDP. Yeah, I think you're going to see some madness in the middleweight division, and this is part of that madness. So as, as you probably have alluded to, I'm assuming that Strickland is going to fight DDP, but I think Adesanya fits into that, um, into that puzzle somehow. And Shemaev is crazy, and he's fought it both middleweight and welterweight. So my theory was, oh, if he loses the welterweight title, he's just going to say, screw it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go up now. So, or, or the theory that I just thought of, I thought you were going at, he beats Edwards for the welterweight title and then goes, and then they shoot him up into the champ champ round possibility. And he goes after whoever's holding middleweight. That's a, that that's really the possibility too. Yep. All right, that's interesting. Um, and then you have... I lost my place because I was going back. Okay, 308 Madison Square Garden. You put November 16th. I curse you. I curse you because one week earlier would be my birthday. <laughs> um, I know. But something, it, it, something tells me that week is going to be a fight night, Carter, though. So I... I, I I just, I just figured as much. So, I, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised because 2019 they had November second as 2:44, and the next week was the fight night. So there's that. Um, and then 3:09 you have T-Mobile Arena, uh, December 14th O'Malley on two, which makes sense. But 3:08 at the Garden, you have a whole realm of possibilities here. I do. You want to read them? Okay. I'm going to go from logical to where the hell are you going with this? Okay. Um, Covington versus Usman 3. I guess I could see it. Although, if neither one of those guys have the belt, I guess wouldn't make sense. Yeah, this uh, is just, Covington somehow beats Edwards. So that's, my, that's my theory. Yeah. Okay. McGregor Poirier 4. 
I mean, they have teased that fight on one on one end, but if McGregor doesn't beat Chandler, I don't see that fight happening. Okay, fair. I yep. think I think McGregor versus Gaethje could be a bigger possibility because McGregor has teased he wants the BMF title. That's true, but Gaethje's in a better last three years than Connor, so logically, does the fight make sense? Probably not. Last three of- years. Zan, last three years, I'd say it lasts better six or seven years. Yeah, that's true. I was being generous considering that Connor did beat Donald Cerrone, so that's why that's why that's why I said. <laughs> uh then you have Jones Miochik versus TBA or Volkov versus Aspinall Sergey. So in other words, whatever so in other words, a heavyweight title fight based on whatever the hell happens in this November. And whatever the hell happens in the first half of 2024. That is exactly right. Yep. Okay. That one actually, that one I should have read first because I think that actually makes the most sense. But here's where we get into the realm of left field. <laughs> uh, Nate Diaz return versus 2BA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to talk about craziness at Madison Square Garden? That would be as crazy as it could possibly get. So. A Francis Ngannou surprise return. Unless disaster happens with the PFL, I say no. Okay. But we've seen crazy things happen. And then... Brock Lesnar? Are you <laughs> suggesting Are you suggesting some sort of crossover with this whole TKO thing? 100% yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just as long as he's not a... Uh, what did he call himself? A jacked up white boy and then test positive for for uh, performance enhancers? Yeah. Yeah, he did. All right. So interesting outlook here for 2024. Nice to play matchmaker and schedule maker. Uh, but now, Zan, it's time to get angry. We talked about Mexican Independence Day weekend next year, about Grasso Shevchenko 3, and I said, well, it has to be that way. Why? Because Grasso retained the title, but it was a rare and controversial split draw. You had one judge for Grasso, one judge for Shevchenko, and then you had one judge scoring about a draw. So I want to get the scorecards because I texted them to you up here so I formally read them correctly. Sal Diamato scored about 48-47 Shevchenko. Uh, Junichiro Kami... Junichiro Camillo scored at 48-47, Grasso. And then Mike Bell scores about 47-47. And the reason we have a 47-47 is because he scored the only 10-8 rounds of that fight, scoring the fifth and final round 10-8 in favor of Grasso. Which is simply less than a 10-8 round. <laughs> I mean, if you... I mean... I mean, you don't have to be an MMA expert to know that on five of one of the best flyweight title fights ever was not any round because it simply wasn't. So the logic that has been going around the MMA Twitterverse is that basically the 10-8 was given because Grasso took took Mount essentially and pounded away on Shevchenko for a little while and could have gotten the finish there. Here's my problem with that logic, Sand. Okay. If that is a 10-8 round, then by theory, 
when Shevchenko had a chokehold on Grasso in the third round, and I thought it was going to be over at that point. Should that not also be a 10-8 round by that logic? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So where Mike Bell is going with this, I don't know. Although it was Zan, I don't know if you saw this uh, tweet out there or the X. I, I, I just I can't be bothered to call it the X at this point. Um, that tweet out there that he was giving out. Mike Bell was giving out ten eight rounds. He was really the only judge who was really you know giving him out in all the fights that he was judging. Yeah, that's a very interesting observation. He was also the same judge that scored the Kevin Holland JDM fight 30-27, which was was downright madness. And I'm almost positive that he was the same judge that gave a 30-27 scorecard in the Kyle Nelson fight, too. So either he's sleeping during the fights or, San, we have to have a discussion again about well, what the hell is a 10-8 round? Because prior to 2017, when the uh, ABC went through their whole, you know, changes that saw the unified rules become the ununified rules of mixed martial arts, as I like to say, um, 10-8 rounds were very rare and were really saved for the domination kind of rounds. Now the criteria has kind of changed. I know Sean Gian just put out a video going over the criteria, but just, I, I just can't seem to buy any sort of argument that round five for was a 10-8 round for no. Grosso. I think Grosso, I think she wins the round, but not 10-8. No, and I actually had Grosso winning, winning the fight, didn't you? Uh, no, actually, I disagreed. I, I sided with Sal Diamato and his scorecard, where I gave one, three, and four to Shevchenko, and I gave two and five to Grasso. I think... So what, round... is your, so what is your rationale for giving Bell round four, in your opinion, from what you I, about it? I think Shevchenko just had the better control and striking during that round. Although I will admit, I think that's their toss-up round. I think that's the one where it could have gone either way. Because if, if this fight had been ruled Zan... You know, 48-47 Shevchenko or 48-47 Grosso, I wouldn't have complained. It was a great fight. It was competitive. And, you know, that's just how the bullet bites when it's the judges. But when you're inserting something really stupid, like a 10-8 round that Mike Bell gave out for that fifth round, because then if that's a 10-9, Shevchenko wins the belt back on a controversial split decision. So that's why I said before, as much as, you know, it's a split draw, and as much as Shevchenko hurt her thumb in that fight, we don't know how long she's going to be out. I think she has every right to an immediate, as immediate as possible rematch. I think a trilogy fight is a must at this point. 1,000%. And all the people talking about that she's being disrespectful with her disappointment in the judges, I'd say let her have her moment. She thought she, thought she won the fight. She felt like the fight was taken away from her. I the way you act after a fight like that is you just need to let your, your emotions run high. As long as you're not threatening anyone or saying anything that's, you know, you know, enticing or disrespectful, which she really as in she was being critical of the judges. I don't find that disrespectful at all. And if I was in her situation, I, I would be just as upset as she was. Well, so, well, here's the thing, Zan. Number one, you're right. The post-fight comments from both women were absolutely, 
you know, you were spot on. It was respectful. You know, Grasso, you had the funny moment of Grasso saying that she won the fight and then DC saying, but it was a draw. Grasso's point was that she retained the belt. But, you know, both women held respect for one another. It was a competitive fight. It was a great fight. It was a great women's flyweight showcase. The problem here is, uh, you know, Valentina's right. Because how many times, Zan, what repercussions do you think Mike Bell is going to have after that 10-8? None. Exactly my point. Bob Bennett, Bob Bennett retired in Nevada, and Nevada's going to Nevada. We know, we know, we know how this goes. So here it is again, where we should have the judges. You know, fighters have to be held accountable for what they do in the cage. If so, funny that you mentioned that, Sam. If Val in the middle of the octagon went on a one to two minute tirade, dropping f bombs and s bombs and making the mouse blush. They would have, they would have, they would have, they would have done something like they always do. But of course, when it's actually important, like a championship fight where the belt could change hands, they do, they do nothing about it. Right. When a judge, when a judge makes a screw up, they're not held accountable. And it's only after some really serious backlash. Like I think of the classic example with Nevada, the 118, 110 Canelo scorecard Adelaide Bird gave out in the first Canelo triple G fight. The same with Pacquiao Bradley won. Remember the remember the outrage after that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. They wait for the most backlash kind of anything to happen possible. They wait for anything that isn't considered asinine to them. They don't even they don't even bat an eye about it. It's it's unreal. You would think you would think by this point where it's 2023 and saying I mean, you had a Chris Tognoni screw up earlier in the card that they went to replay review and the fight became a no contest after the whole uh, submission when the guy was relaxing himself, was thought to have passed out. Which he was never out. Right. But I, and people's logic was that, oh, he had gone limp. But when you hear the Brazilian jiu-jitsu mind, it's that when you're in a submission like that, you're supposed to relax your body as a means to escape the submission. That's why Comier was calling for, you know, if you ever see a WWE match where the fighter, when the, one of the wrestlers in the chokehold, they drop the arm like three times to make that, that that's what it should be. Right. 100%. But so, and, but my point here is that, you know, it's late 2023, you know, judges should be held, be held accountable. They should give, you know, written or spoken reasons why they scored a fight as they did. But as you mentioned, Nevada is going to Nevada. Right, and trust me, if it wasn't in Nevada, this would this would not have happened. But, but of course, it happened. That's my that's my theory. So, but I mean, at least we can say since Grasso retained, it was an excellent fight. And UFC in Dan- to play on Dana's words didn't f up uh, their chance at the Mexican market. No, because now they get a gift in a trilogy fight that's going to be huge. Yeah, and and Rosas won his fight. The card was okay for what it was, at least okay, if not good. Um, and they're going to be going back to go, supposedly, now for a fight night card in 24. And they can rebook uh, Shara's again because he has unfinished business, too. So, yeah. So they actually, you know, they actually didn't screw this up. There you no, go. They, no, they, no, they didn't. Thank goodness. 
The only ones who screwed up was the athletic commission, because of course they did. Yes, 1,000%. And that same athletic commission is going to be back in the center of attention because we have another Apex card, Tom. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm supposed to do the happy Apex, Apex, Apex. Uh, I mean, I like this fight. It's just, this should be an international card. Come on. I know, I know. Um, I'm going to say this is going to be another really closely contested fight, uh, but Fazeev is going to edge Gamrod 48-47 on at least two of the judges' scorecards. I just think his striking is better than Gamrod. I think Fazeev is going to stuff at least three takedowns, and I think uh, I think he'll walk out of Vegas the rightful winner and uh, continue to remain a contender in a very competitive division and uh, a division that could have a lot of shift and change in the next seven to eight months. What do you think? I'm going to agree with you. I think Fiziev stuffs Gamrod's takedown attempts. I think his striking is better, as you said. I could see 48-40. I don't know if I can say splits. I could see 48-47s or 49-46s in Fiziev's favor. And, Zan, I mean, Fiziev at this point is on the doorstep, and I think this fight is going to get him the upper echelon of that division. 1,000%. This is a big opportunity for him. Also, big opportunity, co-main event. Danny Gay, Bryce Mitchell, Zan, I think a win over Danny Gay would mean the world for somebody like Bryce Mitchell. Oh, yeah, and I think he's going to get it. Um, I mean, he's been training profusely for this fight. I mean, just look at look at his Instagram. It's the most motivated I've ever seen Bryce Mitchell in his career so far. And I, I think he's going to get a thunderous knockout of 50K E-Gay in at least the second round. I would say about a minute 40 in. I think he's been Bryce Mitchell is going to is going to blow the roof off of the apex with about the hundred people that are going to be there. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those apex knockouts that you'll remember where you were when it happened. And uh, I think it's going to put a lot of people on notice that Bryce Mitchell is one of the best young stars the UFC has. And uh, I think he's going to deliver a virtuoso performance, if you will. And, And you know, what's funny is that we've also seen Bryce Mitchell We've seen how slick he is with submissions, too. So who's not to say that he could get a submission on here? But, yeah, I think with Bryce Mitchell and how hard he is trained, he is going to finish Dan Ige. If he doesn't finish him, it's going to be an absolutely one-sided, no question about it, decision. This is going to be, hopefully for Bryce Mitchell, a huge breakout moment for him on this card. 100%. We've also got Bellator this weekend. We've got... What could potentially, Zan, be the third-to-last Bellator in promotional history, depending on how this thing with the uh, PFL goes? Middleweight title on the line. It's Johnny Eblen defending against the brother of UFC welterweight champ Leon Edwards, Fabian Edwards. This will be an absolutely competitive fight, and I think this fight, Zan, deserves what seems to be Bellator tradition, Zan, more, more hype than it's actually getting. Yeah, I'm going to say Eblin third round sub here. Um, I, I just think the middleweight division is his to give up, and no, no disrespect to Fabian Edwards, but Fabian Edwards to me is still very green in his career. He doesn't have as much experience as his brother, and I think Eblin will exploit Ed, um, Edwards' weaknesses. I think it'll be a great fight. I just see Eblin holding on to the middleweight title for as long as he can. I mean, once he beat Gegard Musasi, he's has been a completely different fighter, and I really make his game at the moment, and I think he's going to give the Irish crowd something to cheer about. Um, 
for sure, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. I don't think he's going to get a finish. However, I do think it's going to be a clear unanimous decision in his favor. I think he's going to have a couple of good submission attempts on Fabian Edwards, so I think Edwards will be able to get out of it. And I just think that Eblin's striking, you know, I think it's going to be competitive. I think Eblin's striking is just going to be more effective and powerful. I'm going to go Eblin one side the decision, retains the title. Also worth noting with Bellator 299, Zan, their co-main events, you got Aaron Pico taking on Pedro Cavallo. Yeah, I mean, this is a must-win for Aaron Pico. Um, if he doesn't win this fight, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be pretty concerned. And I actually think Pico uses his wrestling, takes him to the ground, wins a clear TKO mid-second round. I think this is a coming-out party in the statement for Pico. What do you think? I think for Pico, he needs some sort of finish to get back some momentum. I'm gonna say second or third round finish. Okay. And that is going to do it for this edition of the MMA Outsiders. We hope you had just as much fun as we did. Before we get out of here, hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network, every episode of the MMA Outsiders, and so much more. Follow us across social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, Instagram at MMA Outsiders ETB. Follow the Empty Bench Podcast Network, Facebook, X, TikTok, and Instagram at ETB Network. To my right, as always, Zambando. You can find his work over at bjpen.com, Bellator Rankings Committee member. Follow him on social media at sambano99. I'm Tom Albano. You can find my work over at Fansided MMA and with the Professional Fighters League for at least for the rest of the 2023 season. And you can follow me on social media at Thomas J. Albano. Before we get out of here, just want to say enjoy the fights this weekend. Sam, I want to give you a happier, ha- early happy birthday shout out. Thank you. And... Last but not least, as we always say here, be Joe Piper. Be Joe Piper. Enjoy the fights this weekend. A bit of a smaller load, but thank you again for hanging in there with us. This has been episode 54 of the MMA Outsiders. We will catch you guys on the other side for next week where we will preview all the happenings that is Janelle versus Charlo from Vegas. So stay tuned and tune in because you won't want to miss it. Yep. See you then. Have a good one.